Welcome to the second ever Dark Room Podcast. Now, because this is a podcast I can do whatever I want, <laughs> I've decided to take a little bit of my writing, which I did for a reason, the reason being this podcast. I'm not going to read it at my funeral, obviously. So the intro music was by Bridge City Bitch E dollar sign a Hamilton band that are included in this next writing piece the only writing piece of the podcast luckily so you will not miss it the writing takes place at an all ages that means me gig the Ellen Melville Hall writing started within the Ellen Melville Hall wandered outside of the Ellen Melville Hall Back inside the Ellen Melville Hall, went in and out, you know, crazy, ever-transforming writing settings, some dark, some light. It's, it's a roller coaster of light intensity. And by the way, this is my first writings of such caliber. I don't mean that in its amazing masterpiece, this is the next Stephen King. I mean... It, it's like five pages long, so <laughs> that's that's a lot for me. I might as well start it now rather than later. So here it goes. That's when my body got stuck. A skin hit at the door, chatted to a dreaded man, each defined by their hair, as it has always been. Bald man let me in. I got into the yellow Melville Hall free of charge. The stingy Aucklanders wet dream. Walking up the stairs rewarded me with an empty concession stand, if you could call it that. It was more of a table and two chairs. This entry rewarded me with the pre-musical event, Awkward Standoff. I assess you, and I pretend you are assessing me. Hopefully someone will turn up with a swastika patch on their arm, so I can get angry at someone for some reason. This plays in my mind like an Eastwood movie, but with less blood and less motivation. I sat by the stacked chairs, not exactly feeling the make-yourself-at-home vibes from the movies. On the opposite end of the room laid the rest, with their black and blonde shrouded scalps, screaming mysticism, screaming, fuck me, drug me. Between us is the lengthiest length of carpet you ever saw. On it, these patterns, of which I'm certain contain no meaning other than bland design, make the distance longer. Optical illusion type stuff. And beyond that distance, beyond that crowd, behind that door, the now complete concession stand, fitted with presumably two guys, a stamp, and a blue ice cream container full of coins and ten dollar notes. And if I'm lucky, there'll be the recently released ten dollar notes, but that would be insane. If I need fresh air, as fresh as Orkin can provide, I'm going to have to try my luck in a phantom stamp. Now a regular stamp is earned by paying the prescribed fee and having someone smile their little heart out as they grace your hand and wet it with whatever pattern of ink they thought to be the most hilarious. The phantom stamp lays solely in their remembrance of my leaving the building, and whence I return, raising my head in a hip teenage, you remember me? Although shaky, it's all I have if I want to save the five two dollar coins in my pocket for a separate destiny. Shit, the lights went out. I'm alone in a room full of people. I propose a toast to the alcohol I won't be consuming this night. Half because I'm underage, and half because I'm yet to be that friendly with the people here. The first band of which I'm calling Caitlin's Band, 
because they failed to audibly introduce the name as a group, and rather spent the more time spouting the name of the drummer. Caitlin's band followed the ever-present tradition since the 90s of all-female punk bands that pride themselves on playing faster than they can handle. All in all, I could have enjoyed a Caitlin solo endeavor with refreshingly original ride quaver divisions that weren't the now-boring straighties. This was then complemented by her ability to scream and shout in an emotional manner without words. The bassists, such in all bands like this one, didn't play much, and subsequently was literally in the shadows on the stage, probably because the lighting guy wasn't a fan. Another phenomenon this band presented was the guitarist-singer type that plays little other than power chords and notes rather close by to them. What she did offer was the occasional nice harmony to Caitlin's screaming, which led to a satisfying, what I'd call, chorus. Waiting for the next band, I'm sitting on this chair scribbling in a notebook with a stupid bomber cap and crossed legs. I try not to exude a pretentious nature in the face of people who express themselves through clothing and garner relationships through jumping and shouting. I'm just a bit uncomfortable doing those things, and even more a bit uncomfortable sitting on the floor staring at my hands, trying to find some previously unknown anomaly amongst my fingers. In summary, such is the teenage nature. As an editorial, this pretentious nature that I try to avoid exuding might come through to you as a listener. But I like using big words, or fancy words, or words that sound nice in my head. The next band are easy enough to judge by their look, and their being at this hardcore venue. Five members, four girls, one boy, three singers, one seated guitarist, one bassist, one drummer, and I repeat, five members. Again, they require the required dyed hair and badges. The seated guitarist, although promising to be a virtuous guitarist such as Wes Montgomery or Django Reinhardt, set not due to her lead role in the band, but due to a car crash breaking her leg. The two main singers shouted at each other throughout their set, reminding me of a couple bedroom-ridden young teens dreaming of their future escapades of anarchy and travelling. This band, Bridge City Bitches, got from Hamilton to Auckland at least. Also from their set, I learned something very important. The previous band, I called Caitlin's Band, was actually called Slug Hugger. Strangely, I'm predicting that the next lot of bands will consist entirely of males. Perhaps because someone organizing this thing has a few gender issues, or maybe it's bigger than that, a battle waging between proud females and powerful males such as that that organized this event. This all depends on the quality of the proceeding bands. Chuggity Chuggity, Scream, is the first thing I have to say about the next band. And also, contrary to their belief, feedback is not a compositional device. It seems as if what I'm going to call grindcore audiences are split into three distinct groups. First, the flippers and spinners, kicking the shit out, <laughs> kicking the shite out of the air, and any poor soul that inhabits that space. Second, those that nod their heads, not sure what to do with their arms, and then the scared and confused that can't help but laugh. I went out at this point. I'm going to try my luck with the phantom stamp. Once outside, I was greeted by a nice stone man and his friend. We got to share our ideas a bit, eventually leading to that of consumerism, anxiety, all that lot. He then told me some wise words. A man must be sparing in sharing his ideas, lest he have none left for himself. Then more talk about acid, and me looking older than my age, a determined 24, and the apex of the conversation being, you give me meat, and I give you veg. This being the stone man's prescription for an ideal societal structure. Upon returning to Ellen Melville Hall, of which I'm having very much trouble pronouncing, I did pay, 
the ten dollars to get my stamp. Either my morality or nervousness led to the failure of the phantom stamp. There goes ten dollars from my Pepsi Max fund. The next band Markdown of real groovy fame, famous because one of the members and the most creative guitarist yet, also a female, which deducts from my argument that the battle between female and male musicianship is ongoing even today. She works at Real Groovy, the record store on Queen Street. Something in their music felt less dull, and that exemplified itself in a half-naked girl lying on the floor of the venue when the light struck white over the room. I stood and looked. I am a male. Then I left to find a human commodity that is less than present in the city. Fresh water. And once again, artist Catherine Monroe, in conjunction with the city design architects, prevail with their public restrooms, with taps containing warm yet drinkable H2O. The next band, the first one I paid for, seemed to be a triumphant stage presence, or audience presence. One girl saying she got kicked in the septum seemed to enjoy herself. I can't say it wasn't a good experience, throwing down, or extreme moshing. In conclusion, the cigarettes offered to me, of which I partook, didn't change the fact that the patterns on the floor were there. But in the final band's set, as members of the audience came on stage to belt out their own version of the songs, the illusionary distance that made me feel anxious at the beginning had vanished, replaced by a small sense of community, the basis of which I am unsure. Thank you.